0: Okay, so Hare Krishna, we are now going to start our program for today. Um, Even though we're starting one minute early, um, I guess that's okay. Um, (laughs) People will have to forgive us for being, I'm I'm the compulsive early one instead of the compulsive late one. So um, <clears throat> we're continuing our series of the beauty and the messiness of mm-hmm. Sadika's journey, um, interviews with modern day sages. Um, and today we have with us Mahara Devi Dasi, who is a, a dear friend. We've known each other for over 30 years and um, been through some things together. Um, and she lives next door to me now. We, we lived next door to each other in another project before this. And <clears throat> now we're living in Rutherford, North Carolina. And um, we're neighbors again. And um, we just can't get away from each other. <laughs> so I'm going to read a, just a, a little bio that har gave me. Um, So she joined um, Prabhupada's movement in Boston in 1970. So that was a long time ago. She was one of the early, really, really, really early bird devotees. Um, And she was initiated in 1972. And her main service was Saint Kirtan. Um, And then at some point she um, retired from that, or tried to retire from that service, and she did Dede Seba and especially sewing for the deities. and she's um quite renowned for her beautiful outfits that she makes for deities all over the world so she's amazing seamstress she's I'm very fortunate she sews for my deities, and um I have I think the most beautiful clothes in <laughs> Deedees um She's been a, a wonderful housewife. She homeschooled her, her children. Um, she's been involved in outreach. Um, everyone knows her in Whole Foods and Trader Joe's because wherever she goes, she distributes prasadam. And so if I, if I go to, into any of those stores and I have tea lock on or anything that would identify me as a devotee, they immediately ask me if I know Mahara. So she's, she's quite well known in, um, in the town for her prasadam distribution. She also, she and her husband, ran a small temple um, at a, where we lived in Prabhupada village. We had the Krishna Road temple, and we um, she and her husband <coughs> were wonderful, and we made a lot of devotees at that project, and... Um, she, she did a lot of the cooking and the cleaning and she's just a, a wonderful devotee that has been um, a seva. She does lots of seva in all kinds of areas. She's, she's always serving devotees whenever she can find some way to serve them and that's, um, that's her specialty. Um, and she says she right now she's trying to serve the devotees and follow her guru's wishes so um she is a proper disciple she's taken shelter of Swami Tripurari for the last I don't know how many years now maybe 15 years or something something like that so that's her little bio and just to for for those of you that maybe this is your first time we're we're looking at the sadhaka's journey um, and we're looking at it from a perspective of a hero's journey um, and Joseph Campbell's stages of development in a hero's journey, including the departure from um the ordinary um mundane life and going on an adventure so to speak, and um, looking for higher values and looking for something more in life than what the ordinary life has to offer. And after actually coming on to that alternative path, then the next stage is a stage of what's called initiation. And that's when you find your guru, you find your your guides. Um, You also are in that stage um, confronted with a lot of um, challenges and difficulties come into to one's life to test us. Um, and this is the messiness of the sadhaka's journey. The beauty is the, the fruits that we receive from the journey, and that includes the realizations, the sweet taste, the um, the change of consciousness, those are the fruits that come from, from Asadika's journey, but the messiness, it comes in all kinds of varieties. Um, and it's Krishna's very specific and merciful way of detaching us from our material ego and from the material, um, attachments that we have. So that can get very messy. So we've been interviewing now, this Mahara is our fifth interview we've been doing. And so those of you that have been following this series have heard of quite a variety of devotees. Um, So, um, and then the final, the final stage that we'd be looking at is the, the return or coming back to the ordinary life, a changed, transformed person. And you have now beautiful gifts of transcendence to offer. Now, most of us haven't quite finished that, that process, but we're in process. And we have a lot of things that we do share and we can share even at whatever stage that we're in and as sadhakas So I know Mahara has been, she's, kind of prepared things so she can speak, um, probably without me inter- interfering with her <laughs> with questions. <laughs> so I'm gonna let her kind of just tell her story and then um, we'll see where it all goes. And if I need to interject something or get clarity, then I'll do that. And we will leave some time for questions at the end. So my dear god sister, Mahara Devi Dasi, I'm turning it over to
1: you. Okay, thank you, Archana. Um, First, I just wanted to say that this is a very embarrassing story. It's not glamorous at all. And um, I'm sorry that, you know, if you have any misconceptions about Prabhupada disciples being pure, I'll be able to slay those misconceptions. (laughs) But um, it's a, um, yeah. So here's my journey. So when I was young, I, um, I was really young. I used to go to mass with my dad. I grew up as a Catholic and we'd go to mass every day. And, um, we'd pray the rosary at night in front of the picture of Jesus with my, with a few of my brothers and sisters, we had nine in our family. And, um, so I did that for quite a long time. And then when I became a teenager, I stopped doing that because I really didn't find any, like, I couldn't, really grasp anything from it I um yeah I just um kind of like yeah it didn't make sense so I kind of went into the bad crowd and got into bad some bad things and um my mother was very emotionally abusive as well when I was growing up and she um she made me want to prove to everyone that I could be that I could be number one so I would try and I tried so hard to be number one in everything I did. I, I um, tried to be the best cheerleader, the best this, the best that. And whatever I could do to be number one, I did that. And just to prove that I wasn't that bad. Somehow she didn't like me. And, but of all the kids, I was the one she really didn't like. And um, so then anyway, I went to college and <clears throat> I um, saw the devotees on the campus and I thought, well, I saw them in their orange robes and I thought, wow, they look they look like they're on acid dancing around. And I thought, I'm not going to go up to them. Um, but then later on, I actually dropped out of college because I met this guy who gave me a book on Zen. And I thought, well, this is really interesting because um, I had been trying to read the Bible, like trying to find some meaning to it. And I didn't feel satisfied with it. So I remember crying god please like let me find you let me let me know where you are because i i really was searching for god my whole life and i but i never really could grasp anything and so um so then i went traveling around trying to find god and i ended up at this house where there was a bunch of guys and one guy he came up because i was just sitting at the kitchen table i didn't I was just thinking, oh, I just hate this world. Everyone just wants to take drugs and have sex and just be like, it doesn't make any sense. I just don't want to be part of this. And so he came up and he said, we started talking and he goes, and and I and I told him my thoughts. And he goes, Wow, I got I have a book that you might like. And so he said it was the Bhagavad Gita. So he brought that to me the next day. And I just kind of thought, nah, I'll never read this book. And I sat there for three days just staring at the book and finally I opened it up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. And those people that are, were on the campus wearing those orange robes, they're, they're, they're these people. And, and I noticed one thing that really attracted me was that you didn't, you didn't have to have sex or take drugs. And I thought, wow, this is for me. And so we talked about it and both of us went traveling to the Boston temple. And we wanted to see what it was like. And so we saw the devotees outside doing Harinam and at the commons. And they were, oh, so blissful. And we both were like, wow, they're just so happy. and. Um, one devotee, Bardraj, um, the artist, he came up and gave us some ladus and said, if you take these, you'll be high forever. And so we both <laughs> took some and we were like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> so we said, so they asked us if we wanted to go to the temple and went to the temple and we, um, Bardraj showed us the cover of the Bhagavad Gita that he was painting and um, we were really impressed, but I, they gave us some prashadam that I didn't really it, it, everything tasted like marshmallows, <laughs> so it didn't really, prashadam wasn't really what got me. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, um, we decided, okay, we want to be devotees, so we both went back to get our things. We said, let's go get our stuff and come back, so then um, I went home and talked to my dad, and he was like, no, you can't do this, and I said, wow, I really, I know I have to do this, dad, and so I left, and went back to the temple in Boston. And there was George sitting on the floor. He was all shaved up and um, he had Dodie and Corton. And I went up to him and I said, George, I'm back. You you wouldn't believe what I had to go through to get here. And he wouldn't look up or talk to me. And I was like, George, remember me? (laughs) We just traveled together and he wouldn't look up. And so one devotee girl came over and she goes, men don't talk to the women here (laughs) and I was like oh my gosh what am I getting into here and so and then I was looking at the Vyasasan and the Tulsi plant and I thought do I really want to do this (laughs) and um I thought well you know what I've tried everything else I might as well try this too and so um I just stayed and um tried it for a while and then I kind of got sidetracked and left because they kept making me go on harinam, and I didn't like going on harinam because I was really proud and um, I couldn't stand how you had to wear like an orange cloth and all these people were making fun of me. And so I didn't really like going out but they kept wanting us to go out. And so I left for a while and then I went home and I forgot how my mom was so bad emotionally abusive and so then i thought i'll go to the temple in denver so i went close by my house there was a temple and i went and stayed there and then they wanted me to go on haram again so i was like oh, i gotta get out of this so i left the temple and um i thought i stayed away for a little while and then i thought i just really want to be a devotee so where can i go that i don't have to go on Harinam? so i thought i'll go to new vrindavan so I, I got some friends to take me there and I, I joined the new Vrindavan temple and it was really rough back then. It was, there was like no, hardly any running water. It would just come out of this little tiny hose. So that's how you had to take a shower. And there, was, and there wasn't like, you know, I washed all the devotees' dishes, the DD dishes and the pots and you had to pull the water up from a well and it was really cold and you know we were poor and we didn't really have sufficient prasadam. And it was really hard and the devotees weren't really chanting very well. And I had told myself that, like when I went to Nirvana I said, I'm never gonna leave again because I don't wanna stop my practices of chanting. Cause every time I'd leave, I'd stop chanting and then I would get into all the bad things again. So. I, I said I'm not going to leave ever again, and I'm never going to stop chanting. So I, um, so I just kept chanting even though the leader there was saying, "If you can't chant in an hour, don't chant at all." So nobody was chanting. <laughs> it was like, and um, so then one day um, one devotee saw that I was I I try to draw a lot because I liked artwork. That's what I went to college for, but I wasn't very good at it. So this one devotee said, would you like to go to New York and learn how to do some um, painting from Jadarani? And I thought, sure. And so um, he took me to New York and um, he said I could stay there a couple weeks. So uh, I got under the shelter of Jadarani and she um, she talked to me, <laughs> she talked to me about never getting married. Don't ever get married. <laughs> And then she also told me never not to go back to Nirvindavan because it wasn't very you know they weren't they didn't have very many good spiritual sadhana there. So um, so I thought well yeah I won't go back there I'll just stay here. And so I was trying to paint with her but I wasn't very good. And so the 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 sannyasi in charge told me, you know what you need to go out on second time. And I thought no. I always have to go out on a But I wanted to surrender, because you know I want to be number one. So I wanted to surrender and do whatever I was told. And so um, I thought, okay, I gotta do this. And so one day I just ate tons of olive and I got really intoxicated. And I just um, I just got so intoxicated. I thought, okay, I can do this. And so I went out and I sold the most books and so oh that's it you know now i was gonna be going out forever (laughs) so i thought okay well this is what i have to do so um so i went out every day and i was really like becoming like a huge collector and i mean i could distribute a lot of books but i hated it every day i would go because i went to the port authority mostly we we weren't allowed in the airports yet, but we would sneak around in there sometimes, but mostly I went to the Port Authority or I went out on the streets of New York. And um, when I first started for quite a long time, it went on for a long time, I would go upstairs in the bus station and I would just sit there and cry. And it was about two hours. And then I would say, all right, you can do it. Come on, get out there. And then I would go out and I would start distributing. And of course it wasn't so hard once I started, but when people were constantly saying, no, no, because New York's pretty rushy and they don't have time for you. And we were also wearing our orange, you know, pajamas, robes, whatever, (laughs) cloth. So, um, you know, it was embarrassing. People were always telling us, get a job, get a life, get out of my way. (laughs) But once in a while, somebody would stop and take a book and it was really neat, because we just would tell them all about Krishna. And um, so then, you know, but I would still cry and it was really hard for me to get out. Sometimes I would hide at the temple, but they would always find me. <laughs> and um, so I, um, so Krishna started helping me. He Once a week, I would get these huge donations. Like one guy gave me $1,600. Another guy gave me $2,700, $5,000 you know, $400. There's always something once a week. So it encouraged me, it helped me to go out and um, find that person. And those people were really cool. They would take books. And I got to tell them that, you know, you need to give all your money to Krishna, you probably have more money, you can give me some more money, I'll give you another book. And sure enough, uh, there's always someone. And so that kind of inspired me to keep going. Um, Then after, um, a year of that um, and Prabhupada came during that time and he was initiating and I had only been in six months and um, the, the sannyasi that was in charge of Vrindavan, I didn't go back so he told them that I couldn't get initiated so I didn't get to get initiated at that time so that was really heartbreaking but um, six months later I got initiated by Prabhupada um, with a letter and I got both first and second, and he wrote in the letter that it's not by chance that you've met your guru and to um, do Chris, do whatever you can to spread Krishna consciousness in the best way that you know how. Um, so yeah, so there I was trying to be number one and in New York, trying to be the biggest and the best. And uh, there was one time when I did distribute with uh, Guru Maharaj and uh, we were in competition and of course he did so much better than me, because he was Krishna conscious. And I was mostly just trying to be number one. <laughs> so um, it was cool. And um, so then Vrindavan came and kidnapped me. Um, one day, they came and took me away. And I didn't really mind so much, because I really didn't like going out on Sankirtan. it was so hard for me. So when they came, I was like, not resisting. And I just kind of went with them back to the farm. And um, there was a letter from Prabhupada that that asked me, you know, he was saying, because there was a couple of us that got kidnapped from our temples, and they wanted us to get married, but um, I didn't get married because Jyadarani said, don't get married, don't get married. (laughs) So that was running around my head. and so then, uh, I didn't go back. I asked the leader, the sannyasi there, what should I do? And he said, you should stay. And so I didn't follow Prabhupada's orders, which was really a shame, because I got myself in a lot of trouble after that. Um, so, just so, okay, so then everyone, in New Vrindavan, the ladies were, yeah, there was, uh, they were getting married. So they, um, so I got married to someone. It wasn't really a marriage though. You just gave each other a rose. And um, I didn't even know the person. And when he started talking, I was like, uh-oh, this doesn't look very good. <laughs> and so, and then right after that, they started a syncreton party. So I, they asked me, you know, they told me I had to go out. So I thought, oh, I can never get out of the sync <laughs> I've got to go out again. So anyway, it was probably really good, but um, then I didn't have to stay back because what happened is we would I would go out, but then when I would come back, like that person that I was supposedly married to, um, he would beat me up really bad because um, like for dumb stuff, like I had a we we were really poor in Urdalvin, we didn't have much. And um, one lady had donated a beautiful sari to me and I had put it in the drawer. And when I came home, it was gone. And I asked this person, well, where's the sari? And he said, um, I gave it to another household couple. And I was like, so hurt. And then he asked me to iron his dote. And I said, no, I'm not going to. So he took me out back against the barn and he just beat me to a pulp. And I was so, um, and that happened a few times I was so out of it that, and I just walked around like, I didn't know what to do, I could hardly walk. And I didn't know who to talk to because the other women were getting beat as well. And so I had no one to speak to about it. So I just kept it in and I just kept saying, I deserve this, I deserve this. And so I just kept going on Sanker time. Didn't really have much to do with that person. But um, one day Kurt Nanda told me, oops, I am supposed to say any names, but, um, the leader there told me that, um, told our Sanctum leader that I should come back and have a family with that person. But I was like shaking and scared to death. And, well, the Sanctum leader said, well, you don't have to go back. And I said, I don't, cause I thought I had to do everything I was told. And so I never went back. I stayed in, um, the preaching center in Pittsburgh and just did Sanctum out of there. And, um, yeah, so that, but then even that, the um, the sanctum that I did under this leader, uh, it was really, um, the person became very sexually abusive to many women and there was a lot of beatings going on even in the party and um, it was really um, like a cult. And I, Was just thinking I had to do everything that they said. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, then they were, and the devotees were told, the women were told to steal and um, steal their clothes, steal their food. We had to sleep in vans. Um, Even in the freezing cold Canada when we were traveling, um, we weren't allowed to stay in a hotel, although we were making thousands of dollars. Um, But they were, we were told um, to just, do these austere practices and um yeah and um i couldn't steal because I, my dad told me when i was five i stole some gum out of a store and i got he made me go back and tell the lady i stole it so i could never steal anything and um and i couldn't get involved in the sex part that was like really repulsive to me um but I got involved in like, you know, like um, like I was number one, so of course I was number one and I would do anything to be number one, most anything. And um, so I would not be nice to the women because this Anton leader told me not to be nice to them so that, um, you know, he would, they, it would make me look bad, but not him. And I didn't realize what was going on. but. Um, they were the sweetest women ever, the nicest ladies you can imagine. And and um, I was tr- supposed to be mean to them. And so I was like the leader of all the women. And so I feel really bad about that, um, that it, it, what I did to to get to be number one, the, the extent that I would go to to be number one, um, to offend devotees and um, Yeah, just to be in that, I I never knew how to get out of that party, though, I was, it went on for 10 years, just traveling around, and I never knew how to say, I don't want to do this anymore, because I was, I was told that if you do this, you're going to go back to Godhead, if you, if you, and and I wasn't very smart, obviously, but um, I was told if you, if you stay with this, and you go on San and you just, you know, do this, Krishna will be pleased with you and you'll go back to Godhead. And that's what I thought, okay, well, that's what I want to do. And, but not thinking like this is, I've never done this in my whole life. Why would I, why would it be okay now? You know, and it's a, this is a spiritual journey and it doesn't seem very spiritual, but yeah, I was just like, and yeah, I just uh, would go forward and do that. And it was sad. And um, we used to do books for a while, but then we stopped, we started doing stickers and flowers and records and whatever to make money. And it ended up that, well, I didn't really know all the things that were going on in New down at that time, but there were murders going on. There was um, lots of abuses going on, um, child molestation. Um, we were just mostly out working and While we were working, we were also, um, and I didn't know this, but we were destroying some of the areas that devotees had worked so hard to um, legalize. We would go in at night and just like ruin it for them for the the next day and they would go there and all the police would be there and um, because we would just do everything against the rules. We didn't know. We just followed the orders of our our um leader and um yeah and so we were harming a lot of devotees along the way and um after about um yeah oh while i was doing this too um well i i used to go to saint thomas um in puerto rico we would distribute books but then on the weekdays, I would go to St. Thomas by myself and distribute books. And um, at that time, there was these guys from the island that saw me and they had, um, they were able to get my bag, my purse, kind of knocking me and getting my purse. And there was a lot of money in there. There was like $1,600 in there because we were told not to put it in the bank because they didn't want the people there to know how much we were making. And Um, but we were allowed to be there. Um, But anyway, they got my money. So then about a week later, I was chanting in my room and um, the door was a little open. It was about four in the morning and I had just finished chanting. And they came in with these bandanas on their mouth and a knife, a really long knife. And they came right up at my throat. They threw me on the ground and put it right to my throat. And the other, one of the guys just, tore up the apartment looking for money and um i didn't have any at the time because i had put it in the bank since that had happened earlier and so they looked at me after they ransacked the whole place and um he said we're going to come back for you krishna we want your money and so i had asked so then i was really scared because i thought you know next time they're going to kill me so i um So I asked our sanctity leader, I said, I'm coming back because I don't want to be here anymore. That's too dangerous. And he goes, no, you should just stay there. You should just stay there and keep doing it. And um, I thought, no, I'm not gonna, I can't do this. I'm not ready to die. I'm like, I got a lot more to do before. I got to be more Krishna conscious. And so I came back and they, and so I got ridiculed really heavily for being fallen and in Maya. And there was also a time in Chicago when I was, um, I had just worked uh, a baseball game with another devotee and she was in the van and there was somebody circling our van. And I didn't know why it wasn't in a good neighborhood. It was a really bad neighborhood. But we had called in to find out where we should go next. And this one guy was all of a sudden I was on the phone and he jumped me and he started ripping at my ears and, you know, just trying to rip at me, like hurt me really bad. And I was screaming to the other devotee, get the mace, get the mace. And she finally heard me and no, actually she didn't hear me. And the guy heard me say mace. So he took off down, you know, he ran away because he thought something would happen to him. And yeah, so things like this were happening and I went to jail many times, quite a number of times for, for distributing books or just getting caught just doing it, you know, collecting. Um, yeah, I've been in jail so many times. So that was very scary for me because I didn't know if I would get out and it was a horrible atmosphere. And um, I constantly had these reoccur- re- reoccurring nightmares always i'd have i'd be in a concentration camp and i'd be running and running from the bad guys and then i would fly up in the air and still they would fly after me and i would just i was always escaping escaping so i felt like that was i even after i got married uh, to my husband um i still had these nightmares for a really long time um I finally, so after uh, 10 years, I started getting really, really sick. I, I was actually having a nervous breakdown because we would work so many hours. We never had a day off. We, we got one day off a week and and we were told not to chant. We were, ch- the d- girls were told to chant just on that day on the Monday. And, but I didn't do it. I I'd chant while we would, we would drive all night and we would, um, we would work all day. We'd work for hours and hours. And because money was what they wanted, they wanted a lot of money, but most of the money was ending up to be paid for these lawyer fees that they were getting. uh, They were getting accused of doing a lot of horrible things there, but we didn't know that. Um, We just kept doing what we were told to do. Um, But um, yeah, so after about 10 years, I started having a nervous breakdown. And crying all the time and I didn't know what was wrong and I was really sick too I I couldn't really go out I um I couldn't do more than an hour I'd get so sick I'd go back to the van so I went back to the farm and they told me I was faking it and that I didn't really want to go out and and they told me that I should go around the farm go around the area where the farm was so I tried to do that but I was still pretty sick and um Then I started finding out from one of the Sankatan devotees' wives what our Sankatan leader was involved in, and I was like shocked, and I was in shock. And I went to tell the sannyasi in charge, and he told me, I went three times because he wasn't doing anything about it, and the third time he told me, you just shut up or you get out, and I was like, I didn't know where I could go, so I didn't say anything. But I knew I had to um, get away from there. So my sister knew that I had that I had wanted to. I kind of like didn't want to be part of that anymore. And she she had been a devotee at the time, and she was always trying to help me through things. And um, so finally, I went and told. I went, I left the Sankerton house. I snuck away one night and um, I went down to the farm and I just kind of was in shock for such a long time. I just sat in this chair and I didn't talk to anyone. I just kind of stared and I thought, my gosh, what have I been doing all these years? And, I, and so the leader in charge, he told me I had to, because they weren't, the, if our Sankertan leader was so, dis, he was so disturbed that I left that I had to go up and tell him I was sorry. And um, so that the Christmas marathon could keep going on. And so I didn't know what to do. So I just went up and and usually when you were to leave, when the women would leave the party, he would um, belittle them and make them feel really, really horrible and um, ridicule them in front of everyone. And so I knew he was gonna do that to me. I was always saying, I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry that was like because I because we were always told we were stupid and dumb we didn't have any brains we were only good and you would sexually say things that were really awful and um yeah so we just thought we're too we were too stupid to ask questions in class so we were pretty much shut down and um so I went up there and of course it was really hard to say I'm leaving. Um, it was really hard, but I did it. I just kept thinking, I gotta do this. This is for real this time. I really have to leave. And so I left. And um, then my sister asked me to come and visit her cause she had a plan to get me out of there. And I asked the leader in charge if I could go visit my sister. And he said only to go on the Christmas marathon. So I said, okay, even though I felt pretty sick and really messed up, um, went out and then I got to go see her and I ended up in uh, Los Angeles and I never went back but I kept getting phone calls about how I was really fallen and a really horrible devotee and it was really hard to take because I spent so many years trying to be a good devotee but I wasn't doing it in the right way obviously. Um So that was great. I, I left and I felt a great relief. And um, I was able to get my health back and devotees took really good care of me. The devotees were really kind and uh, Rameshwar was there at the time and he was very, very kind to me. And um, so then um, I wanted to get married and um, oh, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to get married and he arranged for something for me. He arranged for my husband. Um, So I went to Chicago and I met my husband and, um, wow, he was really nice. And one day I was cooking for this dinner program and he, and I burned all the cookies and he came in and I was so scared like that he would scream at me. And I said, I burned all the cookies. And he just went, who cares? Let's make some more. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is so nice. I would be crazy not to marry him. <laughs> and so, and he, we ended up, you know, associating for a while and it worked out pretty good. And he was always telling me, you know, you don't have to just sleep three or four hours anymore. You can, and um, and you don't have to keep telling me you're sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so he was really, really kind. He was like the best thing that happened to me after such a long time. He was so sweet, and kind. Yeah, he helped me so much. He was helped me so much to get out of my dysfunctional um, bringing uh, behavior and things. So um, yeah. So these. So um, yeah. So the main thing I learned from this was that the extent I would go to, to be number one, how offensive it was, and how you know what I learned from that. Like, wow, I really. What a mistake! And um, uh, and the best things that happened to me were my husband and Arch in the city. I met her a little while later, and uh, she's been like the person that's yeah, really um, um, helped me, <laughs> helped me to um get back to normal again. She spent years, years. I could call her at any time, and asked her to help me and she was always there for me and um, and my husband too and then um, when I met Guru Maharaj he was um, I couldn't stop crying I was so happy to meet a genuine guru and somebody who could um, you know like help me get my spiritual life together he helped me to get back to get into reading and Archana helped me to Get into my job more, um, and then Padmas, Navaswami came along, and it's uh, also been a very important jewel in my life. So um, they've all taken me deeper in my Krishna consciousness. So, um, and since then, I've had uh, I had three boys, and one died, and. Um, yeah just the insight I got from this whole experience was that um just the kindness of Krishna that he allowed me to stay kindness of Prabhupada um that they didn't kick me out because of all my offenses but they let me stay and um yeah that's like what I learned from all this and I don't know Archana do you want to ask me anything else
0: yeah well i having known you for the years that i've known you i've seen a tremendous transformation in in who you've become through the whole process do you do you have anything to to share about how you're different now than you were say 20 years ago
1: yeah um 20 years ago i was always trying to impress the devotees and try, I would like, you know, do things so that they would think I was a good devotee. Um, but I didn't really feel in my heart that I wanted to do some things like, um, to be that way. Um, like when I had my first son, I would uh, I would get up at four and go to the temple and go to Mangalartik, even though I just had him like two days before. <laughs> but I thought, oh, I just want everyone to think I'm a good devotee. So I'd walk down these, Dangerous alleys in Chicago, with a baby, and you know, risk our lives, and but for what? Just so that the devotees would think I was great. So, meeting you, Archana, in um, Prabhupada Village, um, you really helped me to to wake up to that. Not trying to impress the devotees, and you know, doing what I needed to do to be practical. And um, to be practical and just be myself and and to do things because I wanted to do them for Krishna, not because I thought others would be pleased if I did them. So you helped me a lot, and my husband as well.
0: And also, I mean, I can say some things that I've seen in terms of your, um, I mean, Mahara is like, doesn't waste any time she's always either chanting or reading or sewing for the deities and she's just she goes for walks she goes for walks and she's got her ipad and she's reading yeah you know, she reads so many books and she's just and she's on every call that that you can those of you that get on the calls for the top of your bake Mara's there for everything she's and she does you know she loves hearing and 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 she does um council devotees now she mentors several devotees and it's just really beautiful to see how your love for for this for sadhana has increased and and that's what i see you know that's the beauty and the messiness that you know, all the messiness that you went through has paid off so much because you stayed, you stayed somehow you, I mean, you, you, you know, it would have been good if you could have gotten out of that terrible situation sooner, but there were some lessons that you needed to learn through it. And, and you did finally get out of it. And and just to see if they're just blossoming, like, you know, just, or, you know, really the fruits of Krishna consciousness have been, um, you've been, you know, really receiving those fruits. And so your your example has given me so much faith. I mean, there's other devotees also that, you know, seeing the kind of situations, you know, that it's like. We work. I mean, not me so much, like because I joined a little bit later. I joined in 1976, so I kind of came in after a lot of the crazy stuff. But my my young my older god sisters, you know, those that have been able to really stay the course, while well, just seeing like just how much, how much. Um, reciprocation that that they're getting in this period of their lives um really going i mean some of them are really going deep with the holy name and um just coming to stages of bhakti so that's very reassuring to me that everything that these devotees went through was not for not was not for not it was it 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 paid off in in so many ways and yeah i mean when we get a little glimmer of the spiritual reality it's like all these like challenges and difficulties just fade away i mean they just become like a small very small price to pay for a very large remuneration that it's inconceivable what, what we're getting in return? So, yeah. So I I have seen beautiful, beautiful changes in you, Mahara, and you're such a giver. That's the other thing. She's she is just a giver. I mean, she's not the one that will if somebody's sick, she'll send the card. it's send send prasadam, and she, she's always sending prasadam to somebody. And so. <laughs> <laughs> I think the postal service stays in business <laughs> because of our for distribution, and um, yeah, she it's and just you know if some yeah if somebody's sick she'll you know help out with organizing uh, you know uh, people to cook for every day for that person. I mean, she's just like she just is very thoughtful and 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 loving to the devotees and um. Yeah, should do anything for you. So happy to have you in my life, dear. And happy to
1: have you in my life. And I, I do happy do. with the Sangha too because I feel really comfortable and nobody judges and I just feel really comfortable with everyone. So it's something that's really been good for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So should we open this up for questions Let's see if anybody has a question everybody's spellbound
1: so sorry I'm so
0: sorry oh, we have bigger has a question how <laughs> are you
2: Nandavad Nandavad I have a question uh, this was very very hard to listen to many of the things that you 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 explain or or told about your life so so, uh, but my question really is how did you manage to find the inner strength to to not only survive this but also to keep your Krishna consciousness this is completely amazing to me and not only keep it but grow into such a wonderful person that you are today so Mm -hmm. how did you manage to 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 stay, stay with Krishna throughout all of this?
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm, I guess because Krishna's mercy let me stay, because I mostly, somebody like me would just be, you know, probably have to go birth after birth. You know, like Guru Maharaj says, if you, you know, you'd want to put someone's picture on your altar that you don't want to be, that would be me. <laughs> but I feel like Krishna you know, just allowed me to stay kindness. And I I did, I had 50% desire to be a devotee and 50% to be number one famous. So I had some desire. I just really wanted to please my guru. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, Krishna's mercy. <laughs> I'm
0: sure some some secrety, that that was a beautiful question. Rigo. Thank you for the answer. Activity. And thank
2: you for being so open about your story. It was hard to hear, but I think it was important to hear also. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for this.
1: Sorry, I had to tell you it, but I had to be honest.
0: Yeah, and Hi, I go. think, you know, I, I think that, you know, every, it's like, being um, a pioneer in any in any kind of um, you know new and new venture like the pioneers that came here to the United States from England and how mm-hmm. many people died from the freezing cold winters and and not having enough food and you know it's it, it's always very challenging that first you know, and we didn't, like, I I, I try to stress this is that we didn't have elders in the beginning of the movement, you know, the elders were, you know, in their late 20s. And we weren't cultured, we did, I mean, we just, we really didn't have um, the supports that are necessary to have a healthy community. And and we had a lot of mental health issues like that, hu- that first husband or, or whatever, he wasn't actually legal husband that Mahara was married to, but he was very mentally disturbed. He actually ended up committing suicide. And um, so that we had a lot of, we, I mean, it really was a sad situation and in, in that we, we, we let anybody move in to the temples because we didn't know any different. We just thought crazy was eccentric, you know? And we used to have somebody in in our Potomac temple. He was schizophrenic. We didn't know. And he would, you know, he'd wrap himself up in the long curtains during Mongol arctic and he'd posture during Mongol. I mean, it was very bizarre, but we just thought, oh, he's eccentric. That was like the catch all for, so we had a lot of very unstable and imbalanced people living in our communities and then we had some leaders that were also very unhealthy and imbalanced and you know papa was starting a a major worldwide organization he'd come to these some of the projects he never even went to so i mean it's to me i just think it's amazing that anything has survived you know, in the sense of what some of the crazy stuff that went on early on. And it, it totally is just it, um, Krishna's mystical and grace, you know, just um so, yeah. And I think, you know, for, for a lot of newer devotees, it is, it's like, gosh, how could, how could you have gone through that? That was But it's the history of, you know, it's the history and it has a a very important place. And um, that those devotees that were able to to stick with it and stay the course now are the ones that, you know, like Mahara, are really bearing the fruits of her spiritual practice. And yeah, and Krishna, Krishna was there through it all. So... Thank you. That was a beautiful question. I appreciate that a lot. Anybody else have any question they'd like to ask?
2: Haribo, Maharaj,
3: it's good to I just had a comment. I've been doing star sixing.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, come here. You can come make your comment.
3: Oh, thank you, Mahara. That was so wonderful. I was there with Mahara through part of that. So I you know, I didn't talk so much about it when in my interview, but it was very difficult. And, and I really think it was a lot of it was Prabhupada's mercy that he saw that, you know, somewhere in our hearts, we really wanted to be devotees. And despite what the external situations were, He he kept that spark alive within us and allowed us to persevere. And, you know, like Mahara said, a lot of it was just like that, that verse from the Bhagavatam, you know, the results of our past activities and we were getting purified so that we could eventually really take shelter of Guru Maharaj and the Holy Name and uh, the practice of Bhakti Yoga. So thank you, Mahara, for being brave enough to, <laughs> to really speak the truth.
0: Thank you, is so, so Anybody else that's on the call want to make a comment? Want to ask
1: a-, a question?
0: Oh, Gurunishtha. In-
1: Indira.
2: Okay. Good morning. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Good
2: morning. Okay. Well, first of all, Mahara. We
0: can't hear you. You do you. you need to um, click on English and mute the original audio. I'm
2: sorry. I, I should have known that by now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's okay. Well, we have
2: Yeah. First of all, thank you so much, Mahara. I mean, it was uh, really. Um, hard to hear just like Brigo was saying like just I mean it was extremely I thought it was great that you were so honest about the stuff because like I think this needs to be I people need to hear this stuff it it can't be like pushed down and like be we shouldn't be quiet about this kind of thing and I'm I'm really glad you you were so straightforward and honest about it and But it's just, I mean, I can't even express how extremely mad I was hearing all this abuse. I mean, it's just like makes my blood boil. And maybe that's not the right attitude, but I, it's just absolutely infuriates me. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about it, how like we just had the Memorial Day in the U.S. And there should be like this Memorial Day for <laughs> all of you guys. Well, I mean, really what you've done is you've like sacrificed so hard to lay the foundations of this like worldwide Gordia mission. That's what it is. And you guys have like destroyed your bodies and your, your minds for this. And I just I have a lot of respect for that. And I, I just wanted to express that. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so
0: much. Thank you, Gurunishta. Yeah, that, there's definitely a, a special place for these frontier. Pioneer devotees, for sure. Indra, did she have a question? Did you say?
4: Yeah, I do have a question. Um, So, like, really, just really, thank you for like this um, series. And I also wasn't prepared for, um, you know, what Sumati was saying and what like Mahara now is sharing with us. Like, thank you so much, you know. And I have like two little questions. Um, So one was when you were like with uh, Yadurani um, in New York and she said like, don't ever get married. Uh, I was just wondering like, what do you think now about like marriage? And also the second question is, um, so you were distributing books with uh, Maharaj. So how was he when he was younger? I was wondering. Thank you.
1: (laughs) So Yadurani didn't want me to get married because she had just gotten out of a marriage. That was not very good. And she was just t- saying, warning me, don't do it. Because now you can, if you don't do it, you can absorb yourself in Krishna consciousness more. And so of course that's what I wanted to do. And I just, and plus I looked up to her so much. We used to go out on book distribution together and she just kind of took me under her wing and I just did whatever she said. And okay, don't get married, I won't get married. And yeah, she was she was good like that. <laughs> um, and then Guru Maharaj, when we distributed books together, oh, he was he was really wonderful. He was so Krishna conscious at that time. He was amazing. He's always been uh, very Krishna conscious. Um, it took me a long time to, you know, I don't know. I I still I he's just amazing. He was amazing distributing books when he distributed. He was distributing Krishna to each person. Uh, and get, and that's why everyone would stop when he would s- sell a book. Most most people would stop because he was so powerful, and they could feel it. So they would stop and hear what he had to say, and they would take a book. And I ended up watching him a lot, just you know, amazed at his his ability, his his um, he how empowered he was. He's always been wonderful. <laughs>
0: Any other questions from anyone? Yeah, I can also attest to that. I had the opportunity to distribute books also with um, Guru Maharaj and um, like he let me follow him around and shadow him like for a whole day once just because I really wanted to distribute Book big books on their own merit, instead of the way we were doing it. Um, So um, I just, I was just amazed. He never, you know, like I would distribute books for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and I'd have to sit down and just get my bearings back and, you know, cry or whatever for, you know, it was just always, it was, it was Anishta book distribution <laughs> <very unsteady. laughs> and to watch him that he just he just didn't flinch he was just like people would be mean they'd say no they would be and he just it, it didn't affect him and yeah it really left a, um, a samskara from you know watching him and his level of the you know service and and then so then years later, when my husband wanted to invite him to come to our home, I had that, you know, experience with him. And even though he had left, he had left ISKCON, it was because of that experience with him on book distribution that I was able to say, yes, let's let's have him come and, and visit. And that was the best decision I think I ever made. <laughs> Changed our lives, all of our lives, in such a beautiful way. So, if there's no other questions, we can. There's one,
2: uh, Archon, there's one comment in the
0: chat. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's. Okay. Hi, uh, and who is doing the Spanish translation. I didn't—I should have announced that at the beginning. He has—he's um, going to be doing that at least through this this month of June. So, and we'll start advertising a little earlier for the for the calls, so that people know who's going to be interviewed, and um, and we'll try to get some more of the Spanish devotees to join us. So thank you so much for that, Akrora, for your participation today. And if any of the Spanish devotees want to say how he did, <laughs> I'm sure he did
4: great. Can I ask another question? Sure, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, so at the moment, I'm just reading um the biography from Vishaka Devidasi, five years, eleven months. And so I'm wondering like. Do you like, and Sumati and uh, Mahara, do you have biographies as well? <laughs> that would be so cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, just now coming, right? <laughs> actually, uh, Mahara, I'm not Mahara, Pranada Pranita, Pranita is, has written a, a memoir. And um, actually, I'm reading the last chapter right now. So um, she may be having something come out very soon. in her last chapter is so much about Guru Maharaj and how much he really did help her too. So, um, yeah, so slowly but surely these books will come out.
1: I just want to say one more thing. Um, I just appreciate everyone so much. And thank you for, for still keeping me in your group, even though I had to tell this horrible story. Um, I feel accepted still. Thank you. <laughs> Thank
0: you for being courageous, Mahara, and, and agreeing. I didn't know for sure if you would agree to do the interview, and you I know, Panamanava Swami is here, so she thought she, I'm sure she didn't know. <laughs> she wasn't able to say no, because <laughs> he doesn't let you say no very easily. So um Anyway, we're, we're so grateful for his association as well. All right, well, my dear devotees, I think um, I think we're pretty much at a point where we can say goodbye. And um, thank you, all of you, for your participation. And um, let's see, next week, here we have um, Gopal is the... Uh, our um, our sadhu that will be speaking. So um, I look forward to that, and we'll see everybody soon. Jai, Hari Krishna. Maribu. Maribu.
1: Mahara Devi ki jai.
0: jai. 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 See everybody soon.